welcome to the space where creators have aligned a positive and intellectual collab of open minds. For sharing and learning from one another, it's a vibe. We give us a podcast on the mic. Subscribe, educators, spitting bars. I guess you didn't know I'm multifaceted and humble, taking off life goals. The classroom is my comfort zone where I plant and sow. Seeds of knowledge, compassion, empathy, and hope. Reading is the key to unlocking your potential. Countless benefits, including cognitive and mental. Regardless of the genre, books are highly influential. Go get yours, I'll get mine. Make you strive. Monumental. Come rock with me and get down to this new jam. I had a very simple plan Educate the masses Through books and life lessons It's the Grand Slam I'm out Tzala Falava And welcome to the Reads with Rosa podcast I'm really excited to introduce today's guest She is an award-winning spoken word and published poet A playwright and performer She is an artist of upu Words who has years of experience carving, elevating, and holding spaces for storytellers of Temuana Nui Akiwa. She has attained many achievements from writer in residence at the University of Hawaii in 2018 to co founding Rising Voices Youth Poetry Slam and the South Auckland Poets Collective. She has published two poetry collections, Afakasi Speaks and Full Broken Bloom. She wrote a theatre production called My Own Darling in 2015, co-created and curated Upu in 2020. She is one half of the organisation Flying Fetu. It's my honour to welcome to the show Grace Iwashita Taylor. I'm like caught between fangirl and trying to be professional, <laughs> shaky voice, all of that. Welcome to the show. It is such an honor to hold space with you. How are you, sis? I'm good. I'm good. I'm trying to keep warm because it's getting cold back here. <laughs> ah, it is. But I'm too, good. It is. Okay. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm, I'm so excited that we're finally doing this. I do appreciate uh, your time um, being here today. I guess, you know, Grace, before we get started, if you know, you could just do a brief intro uh you know i did the real standard one that you probably get when you visit many you know podcasts and things like that so let's get the grace intro <laughs> <laughs> um yeah it's all of um i'm grace i'm a mom first and foremost to two beautiful kids my boy is 13 and my girl is one nice big gap there you know good babysitter <laughs> situation exactly. going on <laughs> um then I'm a, a daughter daughter to um yeah my mother my father but also a daughter of of Oceania as well from Moana and um I'm a creative and uh, also a daughter of South Auckland born and raised living in Avondale but uh that's okay <laughs> 828, shout out to the 828. Wait, did I get that right? Sorry, carry on, sis, carry on. I don't know, I don't know. I'm still too seeing the line. It's old school. It's old school South Side for you. Um, yeah, yeah, I guess that's me. I'm, I'm um, my, my ngafa is um, Samoa, England, in, in Japan. Um, in Samoa, um, my, um, from uh, Motsa'a in Apulima in, in Upolu and I'm um, in England from a place called Glastonbury in Somerset, England. People will know it for the festival 
Beyonce played there once, so that you know, they oh, put there it we on go. the map a bit. <laughs> there we go, there we go. Get just put it out there. <laughs> um, but also my Japanese Nafa, um, which comes through my Samoan side actually, my great grandfather mm. um was posted up in Fiji and married my Samoan grandmother, uh, great grandmother. Um, so yeah, and that's a whole nother part of my Nafa that. We're, we're trying to um, reconnect with, hence why I've put my Japanese name in the last few years um, on my name um, and my surname. So, yeah, that's a, that's a little bit about me. I love it. <laughs> and I absolutely love that you added your Japanese um, connection, you know, heritage to your name because I think for, for me, the longest time I just knew as Grace Taylor, then when I was like, just recently I was like, wait, I missed the memo. When did she add that? When did she add that part? I was so curious about that. Like, how do you, mm. how do you, I mean, now, you know, trying to embrace and um, reconnect, but, you know, as you were growing up, how were you navigating spaces when you're, a, you know, you've got roots and in, in, in not just Samoa, mm. but in England, you know, and now, you know, really trying to reconnect with your Japanese side, like how were you navigating spaces or even trying to deal with identity? Yeah, I guess um, growing up, because being a Fagasi is one thing, being a fair-skinned Afagasi growing up in Southside mm-hmm. <laughs> of Okalani is, is a whole other thing. And so I, I kind of I grew up as like the minority in terms of my color. Um, And so I was always trying to prove that I was someone in primary school and intermediate and I'd say going into high school as well. Um, Because to be brown where I grew up was like awesome. (laughs) Mm. To be Fiskin was like, you were a geek. You weren't like, you weren't really cool. and so, yeah, I was always trying to prove that Samoanness. And all I knew about my Japanese heritage was um, my mom was very proud of our, of our Japanese line. Um, and she'd always say, that's why you've got nice skin. <laughs> don't get sick, man. <laughs> like, she's very proud of, and we all have single eyes, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> babies. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I navigating that world like to be honest when I was in primary I was actually quite embarrassed of my fair skin and there was like a bit of like internal I didn't realize it till I was older but like internal racism that was kind of going on for me um and then it was actually through poetry that was my navigation tool to really explore my afagasiness, my identity, my sense of belonging and it was through poetry and writing and performing poetry and that I and sharing that mm. I was able to come to a place of peace with who I am um, in terms of my nafa. Um, and then, yeah, I so my Japanese line, um, my great grandfather is the Japanese one, and he um, was in the military and he was posted up in Fiji. He married my Samoan great grandmother, they had children, and then when the war ended, because um, he was a civil engineer. In the army, when the war ended, they literally came to the house, grabbed him, put him on boat, and shipped him back to Japan. And that's the absolute last that my family ever mm. heard. So we didn't even know if he made it back to Japan because apparently they stopped in Australia and then went to Japan, Auckland, and Sydney, and then Japan. But yeah, so we don't know. And um, 
all through my life or the last like in my late 20s I started meeting certain people <clears throat> that were um they just were really encouraging of like you have a very strong Japanese presence around you um, in terms of your ancestors um and so I don't know I feel like I was kind of charged in my family to be the one to try and reconnect us and um I got a pretty strong message to to use my name um the Iwashita name and mm. way to kind of call them to me mm. so yeah that's that's a journey I'm on with my identity my Samoanness I'm I'm good you're like I got <laughs> this I, I'm gonna put the same right here right here but I need to really yeah I can't even imagine what this journey must be like as you're trying to really find those next pieces and reconnect that that path to to another part of uh, a very important part of your family right so yeah um, yeah I remember watching the tsunami hit Japan all those years um, ago when was that 2011 uh, oh, yeah. yeah 2011 I remember watching that on on tv and thinking mm -hmm. man what if my family had been affected by the tsunami like and I wouldn't even know you know I could belong to a really rich family you know mm. <laughs> You could, you could also be the yakuza. I'm just kidding. You could also be the like, you know, the gangster side. I'm just kidding. Could Japanese be. Side of it would explain a lot. <laughs> Man, um, I mean, yeah, I do wish you uh, all the best on that journey. Um, it can't be an easy one. Um, but man, I I look forward to you know perhaps down the road we hear more about that part of you know mm. your identity. And in terms of like poetry, what was your first recollection of poetry because I know that people say you know as islanders we're just natural when it comes to dancing and singing and that creative element that performing arts but you know um, I'm always curious about writing the writing elements like how what is your first recollection of mm. of poetry um, music songs Ah, so course. I've always been well I loved books I always have loved books and my dad mm. used to take us to the library every Friday evening to get books out um, mm. so I always loved those but yeah it was song it was lyrics of songs so as long as I can remember you know back in the 80s and early 90s you have your cassette you know play and you record the songs that you like on the radio and play it back and I would write down the lyrics of songs whenever I bought a cd I'd open the mm. cover and read the um the lyrics of the song before I'd listen to the actual music so yeah and I had songwriters that I really loved mm. so I saw that as poetry and mm. then I started just writing actually no I don't know if I saw it as poetry I just saw it as like I loved words mm. And then I um, started writing in high school, I think it was. Um, I actually liked Shakespeare. <laughs> it made sense in my head. Maybe that's my English side, I don't know. But, and I actually stole, <laughs> I stole a complete work of William Shakespeare from my English teacher in Form 5. Sorry, miss. Um, <laughs> I actually still got it on my bookshelf. <laughs> but then, um, yeah, I started writing... And then one of my friends said to me, you know, that's poetry. And one of my teachers encouraged me. She was like, you know, you've got a bit of a talent there. Mm. And then, yeah, I just kept writing. And 
I never really shared my poetry until I was in my early 20s as a youth worker. Mm. And, um, and yeah, I just shared my poem and one night and it made sense to people and connected. And the next thing you knew, I was, yeah, it was a whole you're new, the, yeah. opened up a whole new world I, for me. <laughs> you're in a different space and, yeah, wow. Yeah, uh, who yeah. is, you know, if I was to ask you to describe um, just in a few words, Grace, you as a mother, what would you say? Oh, oh. I'm a super carer, that's for sure. Mm. And um, and that's a great thing, but it's also, um, I have a, a wonderful therapist that I go to mm. <laughs> and um, I'm all for therapy. I think it's amazing. And, um, and you know, sometimes it can be a hard, uh, not, not such, not such a good thing. Cause I, I, yeah, don't let people in to like support. I'd want to do everything to, <laughs> to look after everyone. So yeah, super carer. And I don't know, I, I, I like to think that I'm people-led, people-focused, you know, the, mm. I, and not, I understand systems and processes and stuff, but people are always at the centre of me when I make decisions, the way I look at life. Yeah, I think. Mm. And it's a hard one, what, eh? It is, it is, yeah. Well, what about <laughs> Grace, the daughter? Like, if you were to describe you as the daughter, what as a daughter, what would you, mm -hmm. what how would you describe yourself? Um, I mean, that question for me is like pretty deep mm. because my relationship as a daughter has has evolved quite dramatically over the last few years because my mum was mm. diagnosed with dementia in two thousand and seventeen, and so that that happening, I've had to evolve what I think my role as a daughter mm. um, and it's something that I'm exploring in my new work that I'm writing at the moment but um, I'd like to think that as a daughter I am a lofa in action like mm. yeah and poet and writer Grace the poet and writer well, well. I know people don't really <laughs> like to kind of talk about themselves, you know, like especially when it comes to their craft, they're like, oh, how, what are some few words that would describe you as the poet and writer, the creative? To be honest, in the beginning, I was definitely, uh, like I'm not academically trained in, in writing or in, um, in poetry. I didn't go to university to learn how to write, but I think I'm, I'm curious. I think that's the word, actually. Curious. Mm. That's what drives my... I'm a, I'm a creature of observation. So a lot mm. of my poetry is quite um, reflective of what I see and experience around me. Um, so, yeah, creature of observation and curious. Mm. Um, but nosy in that way. I love, I love thinking about why people do the things they do. <laughs> mm. I love that. You know, I want to talk about uh, the power of words. Um, mm -hmm. Being a performer, creative, and, and a poet. Uh, the power of words that I know 2013 is, is a is a is a while while back. I it's mean, a while a, away. A fagasi, you, the it's ten, 10 years ago. Yeah, you know, it's it's about 10 years ago. And this idea, you know, like you've grown, you know, 
you've evolved in just so many different aspects uh, of your life, of your craft. And in terms of the word afakasi, you know, when we think about the power of words, uh, for you, <laughs> has that word evolved? I know personally, you've, you've already alluded to it, you know, you've grown so much, a lot has happened in your life, but has the term evolved, do you think? Yeah. I definitely think the term itself is a journey for the people that it belongs to, um, so it's different for everyone. I spent six years of my writing career exploring afagasiness and came to a place. The last poem I ever wrote about it was um, called I Am the Va. Mm. And that and that was based on um, um, Albert Wentz's um, definition of the va, mm. and that poem really like gave me was the final resting place where I felt like mm. I didn't need to explore it anymore. I just I felt comfortable and at peace. Um, I don't. I used to, you know, I used to um, like in my when people ask you for your bio and stuff like that. I used to define myself as a fagasi. These right. days, no. I'm, mm. I'm a human in my form and, you know, these are my lineage um, and however you take me, but I still see power in using the term when it mm. helps to bring inclusion and when it helps to bring, make people feel like they belong. Mm. <clears throat> so that's when I would use the word, the term afakasi. And if someone refers to me as afakasi, I'm not offended at all mm. because through my poetry, I felt I... I redefined and reclaimed it for what it feels and is for me. And, mm. um, and yeah, that might be different for other people, but, yeah. yeah. Have, you met, <laughs> have you met a lot? Of, I know you've done, um, and we'll get to it soon, you've worked with many young folks in South Auckland, uh, and I was wondering if you have had other young youth uh, just really share or ask you about being a fakasi or maybe mm -hmm. shared parts of them that resonate with you like as mm -hmm. someone coming up uh growing up in South Auckland and really trying to navigate those spaces where you're like questioning identity like have you had any of those stories yeah yeah oh, always ever since I started sharing poetry and even to this day you know there's some videos on YouTube that are up Oh my! Mm. Oh, cringe! <laughs> like, but, but that's the, that. It's not. I'm not ashamed of any of the writing I've ever done. I don't regret any mm. of it. But for me, it's the the professional creative in my head going, "Oh, their production of that's not very good." Like, <laughs> but, but I have to this day. People still it means something to people, um, and even people that like you know they're not from the Moana, but people like in Europe and stuff that have that, they understand that feeling of being in multiple worlds at one time. And my most recent experience, I was at Denny's in New Lynn <laughs> with my family. Shout out, and shout out to New Lynn folks. Yeah. New Lynn, we're my, my, <laughs> my first chocolate fudge sundae in years. <laughs> and I ate the whole thing in like five minutes. <laughs> but I was just leaving. And then this woman I was with my daughter and she was like running around and then there was this other mum with about the same age as me with her little girl running around and then we both kind of like connected and were like made a joke about our kids and then she was like are you are you Grace Taylor I'm like, oh yeah yeah and then she was like told me how 
my poems about being Afagasi meant so much mm. to her. So tell me about her experience and she grew, she experienced my poetry at a time in her life when she really didn't want to be here anymore. And so mm. it's things like that. When that happens, you're like, even though I don't perform or write about Afagasi more or perform any of their poetry anymore, to know that it means something to someone or did at some point in their mm. life is is pretty amazing. And that's the power of words, eh? That's the power of words. And, <laughs> and, and hey, I, I, I don't care what you say. I love those old videos. Like, I'm not even mad. I, I love, I'm a YouTube fan here. I love going on YouTube and looking up that kind of stuff because, you know, they're like timestamps of mm. a person's journey. I like that. Like, yeah. And, you know, as much like I've had other guests, you know, and and I'll be like, oh, oh, I remember that video that you did back in two thousand and twelve, and they're like, oh no, you did it. I'm like, oh yes, I did. I love it because it just shows this. It's it's that human. You know, we live in this day and age of technology where everything uploaded it's always like people are searching for that perfection you've got to like when mm. we think about digital storytelling or digital content it, it needs to be perfect and happy and you know and but I love going back and you know when I have guests come on and I see some of the you know the old work online and I'm like yo that's this is what folks young folks you know up and coming creative they need to see this you know the yeah. ones today they need to go back and and look at those who who paved the way um you know so especially our our pacifica you know amwana uh, mm. community you know go back and and check out the i mean yeah man there's, there's some great stuff on youtube i, I would just leave it there but <laughs> yeah don't be too hard on yourself i love i love that that old you know, um, it's so oh. good. It's <laughs> timestamps of one's journey. That's like that's how I like to think of it. Yeah. So, like um, you know, I want to talk about. I know, you know, as you've said, um, you know, when I've looked at all your other work, uh, what I mean is other interviews and and I've read articles and and things like that. And there's always this big focus on, um, you know, Afakasi speaks as your debut work I wanted to actually ask you about full broken bloom mm. and 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 that 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 piece of work and nice. you know it was published <laughs> in 2018 um I think it was when you said you know you're in a good place now after you wrote you know the VAR and I'm like oh there we go it's a sign let's go to the other one but I really yeah I wanted to ask about full broken bloom and and how that work came about and you know if we're really talking about timestamps in your journey um from the initial debut work to all the other performances that were going on at the time but then mm. that piece of work like what are your thoughts on that as you reflect on full broken mm. bloom yeah full broken bloom was definitely like uh, um you know afagasi speaks is here and it diverted mm. into a whole different direction and I think so Full Broken Bloom was written after I wrote My Own Darling and both mm. them are quite connected in the sense that um at that time I was a single mum um and, a, and my son's father is amazing and was you know still co-parenting and stuff but I was exploring mm. being a single mum working a full-time job um and my mum was starting to show signs of of the illness um and so there was quite a lot going on in my life at the time. Um, 
but I was also for the first time exploring, um, you know, I, I hadn't really been a single girl before. I'd always been in long-term relationships. So mm. it is a bit about my relationship, well, it's a lot about my relationship to men, but in all their different types of roles mm. as um, like dating, um, my brothers, my my father, um, and just, yeah, the exploration of, what it's it is mainly about my exploration is being a single mum and exploring dating and what mm. that's like and yeah. um you know got got pretty burned in quite a few ways and I also um exercised my freedom quite a bit as mm. well so it is a reflection of that journey and that was a timestamp in my life mm. um yeah and and in a way I think I always wonder what my son will think when he reads that book um because and I hope and in it I actually opened the book with do I open the book with this I can't even remember now I'm pretty sure but it's a my reiteration of Sina and the Eel but mm. in it my publisher mm. she encouraged me to write it in a storyteller way that I would to my son and so it's mm. kind of like a um, son this is how you treat a woman you know when she says no it means no and mm. <laughs> um so, yeah, I look forward to him reading those one day. He's getting to the age where he'll be able to understand it. So. Mm. <laughs> yeah, mm. so it was quite a – and it was a, also when I wrote My Darling, my theatre show, that was a game changer in terms of my craft and mm. writing. I think it really helped change me a bit because I had to um, let go of my ego in that process and not be afraid to like when you write for theatre sometimes what you write will never be spoken on stage because it informs the lighting or informs the music or things uh, like that so it made me a better writer I feel and yeah, mm. yeah. you know <laughs> do you get it uh, I'm always like curious about um poetry like for me like I really I really struggle, I have struggled to understand poetry. It wasn't until a few years ago where I listened to Jessica Kilmore, We Want Our Bodies Back. Like she did this mm. like collab with a uh, with a creative from um, the UK, somewhere in the UK, and um, they put out this amazing video of it. And it just caught my attention so much. I was like, yo, I got, got the book. Then I realized that they put out an audio book and it was the very first time where I was like, oh, so this is poetry. Like I've, I've read other, you know, I've read poetry before I've listened and, but it was, it was this, I don't know, something about that book that just, it really like spoke to me. I think for me, I've always, well, like quite probably like over the last <clears throat> five, eight years, I've always had the idea that um, I'd never want my poetry to just be experienced in one way. Mm -hmm. I always want it to be accessible in multiple forms, whether that's on the page, on the stage, mm -hmm. um, just audio through animation. Like, yeah, mm -hmm. I never want it to be just one thing because it'll just bore me, to be honest. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but also because of our accessibility. But um, yeah, I, I definitely, I'm, I'm, the last, 
I'd say last two years, maybe it's COVID, um, mm. but also because I don't really like being on stage anymore and performing my work. I'll do little readings, like I like mm. doing readings, but I I'm love getting it. too old. I'm getting too old <laughs> to memorize stuff. And no, I just don't want to. I want people to perform my work. Like that's mm. why I do theatre. I, I write and I love seeing people bring bringing the words to life in their own way. That's mm. one of my big things. But also, yeah, working in a digital space, I like I like the performance of voice more than I like mm. my body and face being seen in a performance. Mm. Um, the voice I find really interesting. And, um, yeah, so I definitely, um, yeah, my focus is in that space. But I, I still love a book. Mm. I, I know, I know, I know people <laughs> say that. And I love when you, like, I, I also, I, I, many people know this. I know they're like, shut up, Lossa. You talk about this all the time, but I love audiobooks. Like, and I love yeah. to also hold the book and listen to it, like, read it and listen at the same time. I love how you talk about the voice, the voice is that instrument that can really mm-hmm. uh, draw in the audience. And I love when you do that with your poetry like oh, that, like that helps me to visualize uh, yeah. what 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 you're trying to uh get across to the reader the listener the audience um it's just so hard for me and it's not anything new like even coming through school I really struggled I love reading but I just struggled with with understanding poetry so like you said you said it so well accessibility oh yeah that's what I was trying to say oh five minutes later <laughs> I, knew. I was just I just you know, took it from like, your mind you're like get there get there sis you got this you got this <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so that's yeah I I, I actually yeah. enjoy and I really like what you put on your social media uh in terms of posting uh I, I love that content uh yeah I've on my Instagram I've been I, you know, I've been posting quite a few little, like, mm. in the last few years, putting up, you know, little poems and stuff in mm. the written form and not much audio, but I definitely mm. want to do more of that. But my dream, one of my big dreams of my writing is to actually be able to publish a full collection in Samoan, like that. That's And I'm not fluent in, in my nganga, so, mm. yeah, to be able to do that one day would be more, not so much the product, like the, the finished product, but mm. it's the process of getting there. Like, oh. I'm so fascinated by how my poetry would change in the translation process because it would. Mm. So, one day. I wanted to ask do you, when you're writing, does it take a lot out of you uh, emotionally, uh, especially if it's, you know, a lot of your writing is really tied to your experiences and, mm. you know, certain areas of your life and things like that do, do you find that as a writer it takes a lot out of you and you have to kind of pause or are you the type of writer who really just you just kind of get into it and you get it done it's out I'm good it's there yeah I, I think I'm definitely the the latter yeah I, I don't I've never found it to be a taxing emotional mm. thing for me what is the hard work is finding the time especially when you're a mum Mm. you know like actually finding the time and space because I mean when I'm writing a new work and usually I once I go in I could go in for three days it's very selfish being an mm. artist is a selfish thing um mm. and, and I, in terms of the time and energy it requires you know like when I wrote um 
Maya Darling in full brick and bloom. Like I took pockets of like three days where my son went to his father for that whole time and I was immersed in my work. That's a luxury, you know, um, and I'm still trying to, I'm redefining what that looks like now for me. But, um, mm. oh, my gosh, where was I going with that? Yeah, it hasn't been a, a – maybe there's a few poems where it's mm -hmm. been like that when I was younger, but these days I'm I'm not so – I think I've got to a place where I've managed to remove my ego from the process. Mm -hmm. And I this this I watched – um. What's that, what's that cooking, there's that famous cooking show on Netflix where they show different chefs around the world. Chef's Table. Oh, yes. Chef's Table. And there was an episode with a Buddhist cook and she talked about how she's, I've, I've written the quote down somewhere, but like when you remove your ego from the creative process, that's when you experience true creative freedom. And that was so inspiring to me. And I listened to that like, a, like five years ago or something. And, and that has been a game changer for me. Um, and I used to, I used to, when I share my poetry, perform <coughs> it, how it would be received. That's actually, that would be the emotional, like, thing. But these days I, you know, however you take it, you take it. Like, I'm mm. not. And accepting, I think, as an artist, accepting that not everyone's going to like your stuff mm. and not everyone's going to get it. And that's okay. That's all good. You don't have to. I think if you're trying to please everyone with your with your creative work, then mm. good luck, cuz. <laughs> yeah, hard, eh? I, I mean, do you want to? In terms of theatre, I just quickly, do you want to uh, do another piece and 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 see that up there? Uh, is that something oh, yeah. that you would? Oh, that's what I'm working on at the moment. Um, yeah, it's called Water Memories. Um, Water Memories at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> is, is, that, is that the book you're working on a book that or is it a play or is it it's a performance I mean you could for lack of better words you could say theater but it's really mm. a performance and it'll be in many different forms it's quite exciting um, <laughs> I'm so, excited yeah, yeah that, that it'll be live performance mm. um but again I never see any one of my things things that I create being one thing like it could be a live performance and then it could translate into a, a book of poetry who knows but um yeah that's that's my working at the moment but I would love to write for screen too that's one of my other little Ooh. little goals that I have in my mind one day <laughs> do you think you'd ever write a memoir or do you believe or do you believe that actually your stories have truly been told through your poetry yeah I think so I think so yeah yeah the other mm. that's this when you said that because I was just thinking you know, like I think I've already kind of done I do that like mm, in mm. real time with my poetry anyway so um yeah where yeah. does um what's what's uh what does your creative space look like uh what I mean is do you are you so I, I know you're a mother first and foremost absolutely <laughs> important you're a mother so as a mother who happens to be like this amazing poet and writer, how do you like what does your space look like? Are you someone who just when you have time ideas into your phone or are you truly a notebook or laptop kind of computer person? I don't know. I definitely love writing like pen and paper on the page. I love that. 
but um, convenience-wise, it is notes on the phone, <laughs> and um, and the laptop is a, the luxury mm. when I get like a, a pocket of time. Um, I actually had a little writing session with a friend over Zoom the other night, um, which was really cool. We were both like on a FaceTime call, but mm. like muted our things, and we were just forty-five minutes of writing. Um, in company with another person, which was really awesome. That's cool. Um, so, yeah, I think over the years it's become very diversified. Like, honestly, whatever I can grab at the time in the moment, I'll do mm. <laughs> Even um, and also recorder, the recorder app. If I'm in the car. I, I, I love that too. Moment, yeah, recorder and then. I'll listen to it later. I'm like, oh no, that was terrible. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm all about that voice memo. If I, if I did like, oh, yeah. I remember this one time I couldn't find my journal, and mm. I was just like, at that time, really wanting to write something down, and then I was like on the voice memo app like this. But it was really funny because when I played it back, I was like, oh, what I eat. <laughs> I was like, what a cringe. Not, not doing that, yeah, but you know, I, yeah, I hear you. I'm, I'm a fan of the. Of the of doing the member the voice member app too yeah um you know you mentioned earlier that you didn't go to you need to learn how to write so mm -hmm. how for budding writers up and coming like what do you say to them how do you become a better writer how do you become a writer uh learn how to do all of that like craft yeah. and I, um, you definitely have to be a lover of words. Like if you're not a lover of words, then it makes it a bit hard, right? Um, so being a lover of words, um, listen, like mm. listen and read. It's not all about you. Mm. <laughs> know your know your creative ngafa that you come from. Like know the people that came before you to part, pave the pave the way so that you have the opportunities that you have. I think I'm really big on that, like honoring the people that made it possible for you to have what you have now. Um, and find good mentors, like find a good community of writers around you that will push you. Don't get too comfortable. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm a huge believer in, in, um, in just working on your craft. Like I think for me, um, I'm never fully satisfied. I'm at peace and I enjoy but I, I never want to be fully satisfied or like, you know, I have become the writer that I wanted to be mm. <laughs> because then I think you'll lose that like curiosity and that, um, that drive. So yeah, those would be my big ones. And for, you know, as a writer then, or as a poet who, you know, you spoke about mentors, but who, you know, what are some favorite, uh, books or anthologies or you know what a what, what's some favorite work that speaks to you or has really kind of helped you on your journey mm -hmm. uh, and when I speak of journey just say so everyone knows man great spirit OG right here I just want to say that like it's not like <laughs> when I say journey it's like a few years I mean we're talking you have you know so much experience um yeah who who are some of those people for you or work mm. um so many and many um, Moana writers and I, mm. I'm so blessed to call them friends as well but um I mean obviously Albert went um, Albert went and Hapele Alpha more so for the essays and their mm. they helped provide me um an understanding of my sense of belonging 
mm. as a Moana writer. Um, Tusiata Avia is, is really uh, beloved to me. I love it a bit. Selena Tusitala Marsh was um, very significant in my early years. I mean, she's a friend and I love her. Um, but yeah, she was huge in terms of how she was exploring Afogasi identity, um, but also navigating um, academic space and performance space. Um, who else? Noo Ravella, she's my sister in Hawaii. Yes. I love, love, love her. And she, I've been waiting forever for her writing to, to be mm. published. And it finally has been. Um, Ask the Brindled is her book. Yes. Um, and I love, <laughs> there's so many writers that I love. Alice mm. Walker, Mama Alice Walker has always been important to me. I was lucky enough to meet her in 2014. Mm. She was here for the Writers' Festival and um, there was a, an intimate circle of Wahine writers that were brought together and I was lucky to be in that circle Ooh. and man she's incredible <laughs> I get goosebumps just thinking about her um Sonia Sanchez um Aja Monet mm. is incredible um a lot of them are female writers there you go mm. um Teresia Tiawa is of course an important one so I mean I could go on and on and on mm. um and then there's my contemporaries alongside me, like Jara Wasala. Um, yeah, I just, oh, there's heaps of writers I love. <laughs> That's so cool. That is really cool. Um, you know, I, I can't, we can't, like, have this conversation. Have, we can't be, like, we're in sharing space without me asking about the work that you have or just the passion. No, let's take it back. Not the work, the passion that you have for community the passion that you have for creating spaces for, for young folks, for the youth of South Auckland, uh, for creatives. Uh, can you touch a bit upon your, you know, this idea of amplifying the voices of our youth in the community that you belong to, the communities that you call home? So, you know, mm -hmm. things like Rising Voices Youth Poetry Slam, South Auckland Poets Collective. I mean, there have been so many ways that you've contributed and impacted the lives of um, just young folks. Yeah, can <laughs> you speak on your journey and I guess maybe just some lessons that you've learned from being in those spaces and being around mm. our youth? Yeah, I think um, my, my passion for community and youth work came through my last year of university. Um, and I did a placement at a place called Youthline. And that's when I fell in love with youth work. So I was a youth worker for, for 10 years or something like that. And through that, I was exploring my creativity and saw poetry and spoken word poetry in particular as a form of engagement with young people mm. that just resonated. Um, so, yeah, I think, I mean, at the end of the day, I, I know that in many ways, in some ways I'm privileged um, as being a, you know, fair skinned as well. In some spaces I am privileged in, um, and so I always try to, any sort of pathway or door that has been opened for me or I have worked hard to open it, 
it doesn't mean anything if you don't leave it open for those coming up behind you, you know. So, um, yeah, I, I've that's what's always been my was always my motivation when it came to youth work and in my community stuff. Um, and I just saw a huge need for our young people to have a place to actually speak for themselves and not have people tell their stories for them because it just happens so much. Um, mm. So that's why South Auckland Poets Collective came to be, not just because of my, there's mm. other people that shared this passion mm. and rising voices as well, which was kind of like um, not only youth a community work, but it was um, providing uh, uh, artistic development for, for young people as well. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I guess I've always had a, heart of advocacy and I always have had a heart for if something doesn't exist and you need you see that it needs to exist or the community is calling for it then go and do it like go and make mm. it happen I don't really accept a no mm. <laughs> I love then, that yeah and then just re like the last few years like working for our Moana writers and amplifying Moana creativity has been a huge focus for me and that's why flying Fitu Mm. exist now um because the need is there and the community called it into being um and lana and i uh just answering that call <laughs> you know i read somewhere that uh, thank you for mentioning and getting onto that because that's where i was moving to next um i read somewhere that you say we're past the decolonizing target we're now in the indigenizing stage so what are your thoughts on decolonizing to indigenizing mm. i think with decolonizing, you're still centering the Western way. Mm. They're still the center of the narrative. Re-indigenizing is when you're actually placing ourselves into the center. Mm. Um, and that's when I think true transformation happens, when we're centering ourselves and not we're not defining ourselves from that. I mean, that's why I don't really use the word Pacific or Polynesian or Micronesian or Melanesian because those words were not us. They were they were placed on us by the colonizer. So why would I use a word that centers me? And then that's not to disrespect anyone else that uses those terms because it's an individual choice. But for me personally, if I want true empowerment and and self governance and um, and self determination, comes from centering ourselves. Mm. And yeah. And I, yeah. mm. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Um, you know, everyone's uh, for those who are listening uh, via the podcast platforms, for those who are watching on YouTube, uh, check out the website www.flyingfetal.com. Uh, Flying Fetal's uh, mission is creating spaces to uh, unapologetically be a writer, holding communities of Upu and fostering pathways for Upu to thrive. Check them out, fam. Uh, follow them on. Instagram, you know, on social media, uh, stay connected. It's so inspiring to see Moana artists such as yourself, such as Lana. Uh, I mean, there are many, you know, many of you out there just, mm -hmm. you know, standing up and uh, telling, you know, taking control. <laughs> control is not a good word. Standing <laughs> up and saying, you know, we're the ones that are going to we're going to tell our stories. We're going to share our narratives, not have other people do it for us. So I, I love, you know, when you, when this started, I was like, what's going on here? Oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> it's it's honestly really cool to see. Um, So 
you know, up and coming writers. Uh, if you're curious, check them out on social media. Check the bio of this interview. You're going to see uh, many ways that you can connect with some amazing Moana artists and creatives such as Grace Iwashita Taylor. <laughs> awesome. Um, self-care, you're a mom. That's one of your hats. You wear many hats. Uh, being a mom <laughs> is, is that number one hat. But, you know, how do you look after yourself? You mm. know, please tell me you do look it's after a, yourself. It's a big one for me. I learned the hard way, the, the importance of that. And like I said before, I'm a super carer, you know, so often I would place mm. myself um, secondary to other people. Um, mm. But yeah, too, I had a really rough time um, with, you know, with my mum's diagnosis and stuff. 2016 to 2019 was really hard. We, Long story, we lost our family home because mm. we had to, yeah, all this stuff. If you follow me, you'll know what I'm talking mm. about. But um, all is that to say, the um, toxic stress that and being in a constant state of survival mode um, really had a huge impact on me mentally, physically, to the point where I was having um, panic attacks frequently, um, severe anxiety, um, I had PTSD, like quite a lot of stuff going on um, that I just had a breaking point really. And, um, and, I engage with indigenous practices of well-being um, and it's taken a while but I'm in a really good place now so things that are really important to me I really believe in um I, I decided I became curious about my health and my well-being because I actually was suffering from health anxiety and that's something where um anything going wrong you think you're on google and you're searching okay I'm dying like I've got a tingle in my left leg. It's mm. this, this, and this. I'm dying. Like, and it was it was constant, and it's very debilitating. Um, but through engaging with the right um, things that work for me, so I I've engaged in somatic therapy, um, craniosacral mm. therapy, um, midi midi and lomi lomi. Um, I have a, a psychologist that I see once a week mm. for the last three years. Therapy is the bomb. I like government should fund it for everyone straight up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and and also like taking care of my nutrition and, and what I put into my body. I'm not perfect, but mm. um, yeah, I have a nutritionist as well that I see all these things within our current society is a privilege mm. because it's not funded by the government and that these are things that should be a, um, a, a standard for us to all be in a state of well-being and I became obsessed with breathing meditation breathing techniques meditation and the central nervous system like I'm like a um yeah <laughs> I'm such a geek about these things and over the years I've collected information I know and I have a google folder and mm. randomly over the last few years I'll meet people that are suffering from anxiety and panic attacks and I'll share this Google photo with them and mm. as people know who they are. Mm. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I'm really huge on wellness. Mm. I believe I don't, I, I want to live a life that comes from a place of abundance and mm. not a deficit. And mm. I feel like part of the impacts, one of the impacts of colonization on our people 
is that we have been forced into a state of survival mode, you know, mm. living day to day, um, living from a place of less than. And I think that's what holds us back. Um, and it's hard to break that cycle. But trying to come from a place of abundance, I think, is a huge game changer. But it's hard. It's hard. Mm. Yeah. So that's a lot. I'm very passionate about wellness. <laughs> well-being. No, I'm... I'm um... No, uh, thank you. Thank you for sharing. I mean, uh, yeah, uh, you've said uh, several things throughout this Salanoa that kind of like, I'm like, yo, that resonates, that resonates, that mm. resonates with me. Um, so thank you so much uh, for sharing. You know, I, I asked you for a book recommendation and you mentioned a very good friend of yours earlier. Let's give the plug again for <laughs> Ask the Brindled. Uh, yeah. Yes, Noel Ravella. Um, yeah, Noel Ravella asked the brindle. She's um, she's Kanaka Moli um, from Hawaii, and she's an incredible writer, an amazing performer. If you're lucky enough to see my sis perform her poetry, then you will know that you are entranced the whole time. <laughs> mm. Yeah, and she's also a, um, a lecturer at um, the University of Hawaii, Manoa. Mm. So check out the bio. We will have um, the book. You can buy uh, the book recommendation that Grace is talking about. I've checked out her website and everything. Like I'm, I'm really like, whoa, this, what is this? Like it's pretty cool. So, fam, check the bio for um, where you can buy. Ask the Brindled. Um, what can we expect from Flying Fetal? Uh, is there anything coming up that we can look forward to? Yeah, so we um, last year debuted the first Moana Writers Festival. It's mm. called Flying Fetal Festival, yes. um, and that's going to be happening every second year. Oh, nice. Um, it debuted in Auckland, but we are going to be moving it around. So it will be in a different location every year. It's um, a great idea. Yeah, it's a roaming festival. Yes. Um, and then... This year we have two offerings. One is um, an online digital writer's check-in place to hang out, um, and that's um, for anyone, um, and that's and it's free every first Saturday of the month from um, August to December. Um, and just check it. Follow us on Instagram, and, and you'll see the link to um, to, to tap in. Um, and then we also. Oh, I haven't announced, we haven't announced it yet, but we've got something else exciting mm. coming up. <laughs> two, two opportunities. Let's just say, if you, yeah, we believe in writers being paid to write. Oh, see, fam, fam, <laughs> she's dropping mad hints right now. You kind of heard it here first. <laughs> I love it. I honestly, yeah, please, um, if you're listening, if you're watching, Follow Flying Fetzel on their social media. Trust me, you're gonna, and then you can go back on the website, check out, check out what they're doing, what they did last year with you know bringing all these amazing Moana right people, amazing folks together. Check out this exciting, exciting stuff. Oh, and Spotify as well, like our sessions from the festival right, are on yes. Spotify. Thank you for yeah, reminding so me. Those links, those links will be in the bio. I did, I, I knew that and I forgot it's in my notes, but I forgot to mention. Check out Spotify, check the link in the bio where you can see all the, the flying fetal sessions. Oh my gosh. If you look at the people that were there, like seriously, I was just like, imagine being a fly 
in the room. Okay, that's dramatic, but amazing, <laughs> loving what you're doing. And then for you personally, you've kind of alluded to some things that you're working on. To this, uh, what what can we expect from you anytime soon? <laughs> no pressure. Um, <laughs> no, no. I'm working on a new work called Water Memories. It is, I'm calling it a such a poet thing to try and make up a new genre, performance literary art. Oh, <laughs> P-L-A. Okay, just saying, just saying. Okay, I love it. But yeah, that's that. I it'll probably be presented um, in 2025. Like I'm writing it this year, <coughs> and then it'll be workshop next year with with mm. people. And um, it's gonna be a different way with engaging with the theatre work. I'm I'm really essentially what Water Memories is about. It's motivated and inspired by my mother's journey with dementia and mm. our journey as a family. And, and then it's also about um, the dynamic of role reversals that happen between a mother and daughter and also about memory building. How do we retain memories? How do we share them? How do they evolve and change across generations, across places? Mm. Um, and incorporated into that <clears throat> is my absolute obsession with the science of water memory, which is a pseudoscience of... Mm. Um, that water retains the memory of things that it touches and deposits. And um, so, yeah, that's, that's that work. And I'm, I'm lucky enough to work with the wonderful Anna Pella Bulsaivau. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> and the wonderful Mayava Nathaniel Lees. Yes, I'm name drawing a little bit because, they are part, because they're part of my ngafa. And yes. I don't believe any work is created within isolation. It is community and so I need to name them because they are part of the work as well. But of course, my beautiful mother, Fa'amuamua Elizabeth Iwashita Taylor, um, is also obviously the um, the key and the heart of, of the work. So, yeah. And how, how is mum doing? I mean, you know, it's still the ongoing journey. Um, yeah. You know, it's a hard, it's a very hard um, illness. Hmm. it's actually through water memories that I have been able to come to a, a place of um, peace and it, I'm st it's still heartbreaking but I've come to a place to understand my mum's illness from our perspective and not from a western medical lens mum hmm. exists in her mind in the in ancestral realm a lot of the time now and I've come to understand, to be, to embrace that and find it as a beautiful thing and not a terrible thing. Because Western medicine will tell you that that's a deterioration of their mind. But I see it as mm. the complete opposite now. She's transcending mm. into realms and places that I couldn't even dream of. And at the same time, I'm developing a alofa for my mom that I never would have accessed if it hadn't have been for this stranger we call dementia that's come into our family so um mm. yeah yeah mum she knows she knows us she she no longer knows us by our names and our oh like that's my daughter that's my son but she knows us by how she feels about us mm. and she knows us by love and I think that's the ultimate mm. yeah yeah if I were to say the sound of resistance is a woman's voice reflecting on um, just your journey and just and just these important timestamps that you've shared throughout the Talanoa, what are your thoughts on that in terms of um, 
where you've come from, where you are now? I think when I think of the word resistance, I think of it as pointless unless it comes from a place of alofa. And if the purpose mm. isn't to come to a place of a movement of love, then resistance is pointless. Mm. Yeah. I know that's the, that's the first thing that came to my mm, mind because you mm, got me there, girl. Mm. <laughs> Oh, man, I want to pick your brain so much. But we do have time for that, fam, because Grace is a mum and she has to go. But can I just say, sis, um, man, I, I've, before I let you go, uh, I just want to say a huge a mad love, huge big love, big alofa, and huge thanks for just – just saying yes to coming on I mean I know man like you're when I think of you I'm like oh she's I just hold you're like right here we all these other like cool just these cool creatives who have you know along this journey of the podcast mm. have said you know what sure I'll come on the show and I'm like yeah who am I you know I honestly always who am I and and just you know again you've joined you know the Reds of Rossa family and it just I'm so humbled and just honored to to have shared space with you it, it means so much and I know it's been a very short time but you know just these pockets of of knowledge and and you know wisdom and experience that you've shared in this short Salanoa has just really it's it, there have been things that have resonated with me and there have been other things that have been very thought-provoking and had me questioning huh <laughs> wait what wait hold up hold up so I, I let me stop rambling um but I just want to say thank you just Thank Aww. you so much just for Aww. for being you and, you know, for anyone listening, again, if you're watching or listening, follow Grace and check out her poetry, check out her craft and her artistry, uh, check out Flying Fetzel, see what her and Lana Lopesi, another amazing creative, by the yes. way, and writer, <laughs> see what they're doing because fam, um, you know, it, we have to, it's up to us to 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 rise up to this <laughs> traumatic to stand up and to say yeah 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 cue the violin music it's up to us to you know you know make a stand to tell our stories to put out the narratives that we want put out there not for others you know to um. come to come along and do that for us so keep and you're doing it you're doing it <laughs> like honestly what you've created is incredible like if you i go onto your instagram and just seeing how many of these you have done how many people you've given a platform to like incredible you're doing exactly what you've just said and i had to also come on here because my my soul sister see a little shout out Lele. that's what's up so now i'm I was like no we've both been on here <laughs> Two amazing, strong women. Uh, yeah, much love to Lele. So, yeah, yeah. Um, big love to you and your family, to mum, as you continue that journey. And um, I'll just hand it over to you, sis, just to wrap up the show with some final knowledge, words of wisdom. Oui. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, always eat all the galo. Not just kidding. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> just love. Come from a place of love. You can't go wrong if you're coming from a place of 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 um of genuine alofa and be kind to yourself, be kind to others, goes a long, long way. And yeah, that's it. 
Thank you so much. You're incredible. This platform is amazing.